Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Conversations Against Living Miserably, a podcast where we try to find solace in a world where our brains are usually against us. My name is Aaron Gillis, and each week I'll be joined by... Me, Lauren Patterson. Each week we chat to a different guest about how they try and live their life without misery. But we try and do it with a little bit of laughter, because otherwise that sounds like a pretty gloomy idea for a podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Dave, the TV channel, and Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Uh, morning again. Hope you're well. Thanks for coming back and letting us rent your ears for a little bit. Uh, this week's guest is Elf Lyons. Elf is a stand-up comedian, writer and actress. Her 2017 show, Swan, was nominated for Best Show at the Edinburgh Comedy Awards. And her new show, Love Songs to Guinea Pigs, is touring the UK later this year. This week we speak to Elf about friendship, support networks, horror movies and guinea pigs. A quick content warning for this episode we do discuss issues such as suicide, so if that's not something you really want to listen to right now, just put us on pause and come back later. Also, your usual note to please subscribe, rate, review. All the money we make from adverts in this podcast goes directly to Calm, and uh, the more people that listen, the more money we raise. Uh, and by listening to this episode, you're donating already, so go you, you charitable sod you. Anyway, that's quite enough for me. Here is Lauren and myself talking to Elf Lions. Welcome to our podcast, In Your Ears. We have with us today, Alf Lyons. Hello. Hello. <laughs> all, all six foot, six foot one of it. All six foot one of it. In a very small room. A very small room. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing, 
I feel, yeah, I'm just really boringly content. <laughs> I just, my body aches, I was saying to Lauren before, because I'm doing this really physical show, which I'm not prepared for at all, <laughs> obviously because I've let myself go. Yeah. Um, um, and I've just got... <laughs> you need to put context to that oh, one, yeah, otherwise no, it otherwise... sounds like I said it to you <laughs> yeah. when you came in. <laughs> so on Monday I did my first night of the show and a really lovely, kind audience member came up to me and said, it's so great to see you getting back on stage again, despite the fact that you've let yourself go and you've chunked up a bit. <laughs> oh, you didn't mention the chunked up a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, ch- a... Chunked up as well. It's an aggressive term, isn't it? Yeah. Chunked up. That but is... also, I mean... You watch me on stage hula hoop for about 25 minutes, try and do the splits. Like, it's hardly like <laughs> I've just... It's like not like you're sat there eating burgers for 25 yeah. minutes. doing a live art piece. No. I... <laughs> but also there was that weird thing of feeling like I should have to explain myself, of being like, well, yeah, I am recovering from spinal. And actually I thought, I don't need to do that. Like... <laughs> Like, there's no need for me to explain no, there's, you how don't need my to body justify is. It at <laughs> justify all. the fact that at the moment I really like biscuits. Like <laughs> <laughs> I just let me live my life. Yeah. Exactly. But this is it. It sort of ruined my week in a weird way because last night after my gig I was so hungry and I went past Sainsbury's and I went in and I bought myself some edamame beans. What are they called? Ooh, edamame yeah. beans. Edamame. That's, That's it, one. edamame. Yeah. <laughs> I bought myself some edamame beans and couscous, which I'd never buy because I hate couscous. I think it's the saddest food it next is. to soup. Yeah. And I was just watching X-Files, eating that and going, this is terrible. <laughs> well, I would never do this to myself, but she's had an impact on yeah. me. It's so weird. Those little like negativities stick with you for so long. You can get 99 wonderful mm-hmm. comments from someone and that negativity will stick in there it's for the ages. Oh, it was like last night, the gig I thought went really well. And um, <laughs> Rob um, Rob Kemp, who's another comedian, he turned to me and went, oh, like, Honestly, it was a fantastic show, and I'm not just saying that. And to prove that, there was one guy in front of me who hated the show, and he was on his phone the entire time, and he really wanted to leave, but he couldn't because he was stuck at the end of the row. And even though he was meant, he said, the reason I'm telling you that is that, you know, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. that I genuinely think it's one of the best shows you've done. <laughs> All I could think was... So what did this guy look like? Yeah. And, and I was I was so annoyed thinking about this one man. Give me his seat number. I'll yeah. check him down. I'll check him down. I'm going to email him and ask, why didn't you like him? Yeah. <laughs> I was having a really rough show in Edinburgh. It was the only rough, rough show I had of the whole run. And I heard it was, you know, when it's pin drop silent and not in like a, I've created tension way in a, they fucking hate it way. And I heard this guy just audibly sigh like clearly to get everyone's attention, stand up and just, you had to walk across the stage, the floor to leave. And he just very slowly just walked out, shut the door behind him. And I was like, I don't think he's coming back. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was a deliberate exit. (laughs) But that's the thing, it's the maliciousness of it sometimes, because I totally accept if you don't like what I do, fair play. Mm. Because, you know, we all do our own thing and and it's refreshing as well when you go, oh, well, I'm to a certain audience and if people keep on coming back, then you've found your thing. But it's So I don't mind when people walk out of my show after the first 10 minutes and they do it in a sort of like, they don't want to embarrass me and they don't want to embarrass I'm like, cool, I respect you, you've got shit to do. But it's when they do it in that way mm-hmm. that really... I like, want everybody, including you, to know that you are not for me. And I'm like, well, yeah. I've got your fucking money, so... 
leave. <laughs> That's what my dad told yeah. me. He, was like, he said, what you need to do, because my dad's an economist and the show was about economics, is he says you need to calculate how much money they've spent per minute. Ooh, and then one. as they walk out, just quote that to them. That's amazing. And I was like, yeah, but you're also dealing with a dyslexic who doesn't know how long <laughs> she's been on stage. So I've got to like approximate. Going, man, you've spent on average 79p per minute to watch me. <laughs> she doesn't actually sound as cool as it does when my dad says it. Well, that leads us in perfectly into our first question mm-hmm. then. Of when was the last time you felt calm? Oh, when was the last time I felt calm? I've been spending a lot of time with my mum this week. And actually, the other night, we just spent the night in. It was really nice to not... I didn't have a gig. And we just left our phones in the kitchen and watched a film. We watched Room, which I know is quite an intense film. I was going to say, that's not a calming film. It was just to be really absorbed in a film with your mother, like in a really safe, your family, like I hope for most people, family homes or, you know, a refuge. And the dogs were by us. And I just got to sit and weep uncontrollably. Yeah for two hours, like, really cry, because it's a really intense yeah. film. But it was so nice to have that space to really let go of myself yeah. emotionally. They said mams are good. I always say this. There's something about a mam. Mm. Like, even if it's not your mam, there's just something about a mam that is like, oh. Someone else's yeah. mum mummying, I think. Yes. It, or just sometimes for other people as well. I find all my guy friends mm-hmm. see me in, like, a really weird lay, like, a time-travelling mother because they just come over to my flat and there's nothing sexual but they'll just lie in my bed and they'll go, I'm just really stressed and really overwhelmed at work and I just can't get a girlfriend. (laughs) And I'm like, they're there. (laughs) Don't worry, puppet. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah, you're a good mother. You mothered me in Australia and a bit was nice. Did I mother you in Australia? When was that? When you made sure I was eating and then told me I looked pretty. And I was like, (laughs) yeah! (laughs) That's what I need from a friend. I think it was because every time I saw you, you were always like, I'm a turd that's rolled in glitter. I was like, I really want to make sure you know that's a joke. It's not actually what you are. I think the best decision I ever made, the most expensive thing I've ever bought, was my bed. Like the mattress, I bought it from Dreams. Mm. I managed to pay it in £25 monthly instalments. Which is very rare, but I really (laughs) blagged it. I was like, please, there's no way I can buy this bed otherwise. (laughs) And having that bed, like a really comfortable, she's called Bertha. And I just just feel safe. Yeah. Probably quite boring. No, it's wonderful because those little moments, those kind of what we equate as boring can actually just be absolutely wonderful when you appreciate them. It's just that we are so busy all the time and thinking about other things that we don't appreciate them. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I got into bed and thought, all right, this is comfy. Mm -hmm. I got into bed and go, well, I haven't done all of these things today. I've got all of these things to do tomorrow. Now I'm going to stare at my phone and ignore all these things for 20 (laughs) minutes and look at angry people on the internet. And then, yeah, you just don't take that that time to. This is why I've stopped following other comedians on Twitter and Instagram and instead I only follow people who have guinea pigs amazing so my instagram is just purely guinea pig videos and it's made my life so much better i did the same thing on instagram i unfollowed a lot of people that were quite not negative but just weren't bringing me joy yeah and just followed loads of dog accounts and it's amazing just loads of dogs that feed exactly yeah you just got to look after yourself you really do. The, the funny thing is, is like we just get taught to define ourselves by our career. And I learned this, bizarrely, at a fat camp. <laughs> <laughs> the, my mum took me to a fat camp. Well, I should, probably shouldn't say it's a fat camp, because my mum and I's relationship's pretty bizarre. But I said, well, I really want to bond with you. 
because I'd just done this show about how I wish she was dead, which obviously I, I don't, but it was about exploring mother-daughter relationships. And so I said, can we go and just, like, go on a holiday, just the two of us? And she went, right, I've booked us into a health retreat in Exeter during Valentine's Day for a week. And she didn't tell me that health retreat is aimed at people who are over 25 stone. Um, my mother is also lighter than me. Um, and we turned up. <laughs> and it's a completely controlled diet. Everyone at the hotel's been told they're not allowed to serve you tea or coffee. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> they can't give you any condiments. We turned up in our hotel room, the mini bar was empty. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to have breakfast all together at seven in the morning before we did like a 5K run. Mm-hmm. Then we do like eight hours of cardiovascular exercise. And we'd also have therapy sessions as a group to talk about our attitudes towards food. <laughs> and then at 6pm we had dinner together. And then in the evening we had free time, but obviously we were all very hungry. Yeah, hungry, <laughs> and, tired. And me, just... My mum had booked us a room together. And so we ended up just, we went speed dating one night, even though my mum's happily married. <laughs> <laughs> we went on a speed dating night with the other members of the fat camp. I'm sure it's okay to say fat, because it was, a, okay, obese, uh, an obese. It was a health retreat. Yeah. <laughs> But it was it was also like war. Um, <laughs> but one and it was really it was a really interesting experience because you know spending Valentine's Day with your mother doing a five k run through the Exeter Moors or like the hills, and then there was one lady on the course who was so lovely. She was like in her late forties, and she'd been on sent on the course by her aunt. She'd been there in the course for about six weeks to lose weight. But I think she also had um, learning difficulties because my job was every morning to try and find her on the 5K run because even though she'd done the same course every day for nearly several weeks, she always got lost every oh, single day. It. But she was always fine. She was always standing by trees. She mm. was very with nature. So we had this really like interesting team all protecting each other. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things we did, that we had this therapy course about how we define ourselves entirely by our career, saying, my name is Alf and I am a comedian. But you forget that you're, the comedian's just one-sixth of who you are and my role as a daughter and as a sister and as a friend. They have equal weight entirely. And then also my own, me as an actual individual and my relationship to myself. Yeah. So not getting too carried away by one or the other. So I never feel guilty anymore about taking time away from work. You were saying earlier that kind of like your friends and your guy friends always come to you when they've got kind of, they're feeling stressed or anything yeah. like that. Who do you turn to if you're in one of those, or do you kind of, are you more of a private person when it comes to that I sort of thing? I think I'm probably more of a private, I've kept a journal since I was eight. So I've written a diary every single day. And it's a really good way, and I always recommend to people to keep a diary because once you get into the routine, and you don't have to write, you know, the big statements about who you are, but, you know, just dotting down what you've done or just, oh, I'm tired or whatever. Because I've noticed the moment I stop writing in my diary is a really big sign that I'm going into a bad place. Because yeah. the moment I can stop writing, it means I'm trying to put something off. And then that probably means I'm going into a depression. Because I remember I stopped writing for nearly two months. I've never done that before. And I picked up my diary and I just burst into tears. <laughs> I was like, oh dear, now I've got to go to Edinburgh. <laughs> but it is, it's that beautiful way. The moment you put it into words, you just kind of quantify it in a way that you hadn't let your brain yeah. think about your day before. I, I'm a massive advocate for people just open a Word document and just type and just go, what am I feeling at the moment? How's my day been? You don't have to show anyone. You don't have to send it to anyone. You can delete it straight away. But the moment that you've put it into words and you read it back to yourself, you are giving yourself that little bit of a chance to catch yeah. up with you. 
And we don't do that at all. We um, It was so interesting because the week... No, I, a couple of days before I got the email asking to do this, my friend from Gollier... Did you ever meet Luke? I never Luke met him, oh, yeah. So, because uh, we all studied at Gollier together for two years, we were very close. One of the members of our team committed suicide, so we found it out on the Sunday. It was just like... And it's really brought our group from Gollier together because we're suddenly... We're all from different parts of the world, but it's really shattered all of us, as of it were. And it's really fascinating how we're all really touching base and really connecting and getting back. You know, because I think nowadays, because of Facebook and Instagram, it really affects grief in a very different way because it's very hard to believe someone doesn't exist anymore yeah. or someone isn't well because of the way we portray ourselves online. So it's been really weird grieving for someone when their photos are constantly being put up on oh. internet like with statements about remembering them. But because that's how you're used to keeping in touch with everyone, it's really hard to contemplate that this is from the past and they don't know they no longer exist. And it's been a yeah, trying to communicate and talk about that a lot more. And also really making sure everyone in our group is okay. Because as a performer as well, we're so used to on stage encouraging people to be emotionally vulnerable and insane and wacky and kooky and also being... Mm-hmm. But you don't know when it's an act or when it's a genuine cry for help. Yeah, yeah I find that's one of the ethical dilemmas of what we do of comedy. But those support networks are so important anyway just on a day-to-day uh, basis because yeah. it is a, a wonderful thing that comes out of tragedy that people mm-hmm. will come together to make sure that everyone else is okay and that we will get through this and that you will support each other and you come you obviously bond closer together but we need do need to make sure that we are keeping those kind of connections on our just for us on our yeah. day-to-day basis just so we know that we have people in our phones that we can go just a text or we can just go i need to um I'm sure I'll tell this story loads of times, but me and my best friend have a a rule called the emergency pint rule. And we only need to text the other one saying emergency pint. And it doesn't mean a pint. It just means we'll go get a coffee or go for a walk. Mm. Or we meet up, we drop any plans we have, and we just talk for hours. And yeah. it's usually just one of us talking at the other one and just getting it out there. And yeah. it's just that knowing that you have someone in the world like that is just so beautiful and wonderful. Totally. Mm. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Uh, the creation of WhatsApp video messages is just been fantastic for me because I just do little video messages, just updating people. Mm. Um, and they'll do that back to me. And I found that sometimes a really good way when you don't have time to actually physically get somewhere. Mm. Um, there's so much good stuff with technology now. I, I'm a big advocate of telling your GP exactly how you're doing. My GP is incredible because the first time I met him, he was like, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm fine. He went, no, but I've noticed on your reports it says you're on antidepressants. So I just want to touch him before we move further together. And I was, I'd never had that reaction. It's like being from on a, a date. G- <laughs> I never had that from a GP before because normally it's like we need to get you out within nine minutes because yeah. we're tight. But he really took the time and every time I go in now, he's got a really good knowledge of which I really appreciate. I mean, I also feel like I can't lie to him because yeah. he's my GP and he knows everything I'm taking. Because yeah. I tried lying to my GP once and I went in to get remedicated because I wasn't doing very well and I was on a certain percentage of uh, dosage. So I went in and I was like, I, just, I think we need to up the dosage. He was like, yeah, you're very grey. And I was like, yeah, it's not very good. He was like, how much are you drinking at the moment? And I said, uh, oh, two units a day and he just looked at me and went that's a lie isn't it and I was just like yeah that's fine you know, 60 units a day leave me alone it wasn't, it wasn't 60 <laughs> units a day I, I would be deceased uh, but yeah he's just like you can't get away with lying to them yeah. once they kind of you've had two or three appointments with them they know they know you because mm. so I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous after a particular breakup and I found that was a great place and even though whether or not you define yourself as that, I think that those places that exist, like Narcotics Anonymous, Overeaters, there's loads of them, but they're really good places to go to if you're sort of questioning where you are mentally. Yeah. Because whether or not you necessarily identify to whatever is being talked about, there's so it's such a beautiful space to be, like quiet and calm. And, you know, see the similarities, not the differences is like the recurring theme. Completely. And it's a space of honesty as well, mm. which we don't get to deal with much in, in our day to day. And especially with kind of like social media and stuff, you're always putting your best foot your best forward. Side. And you don't get to be brutally honest and kind of go, you don't very rarely see anyone just tweet, having a really shit day, lads. Mm-hmm. Um, because people will respond and people will go, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Or just send you like loads of gifts of dogs or guinea yeah. pigs and just kind of try whatever they can do. But we just don't let ourselves get become that vulnerable, which was, is utterly bizarre. The other day I tweeted because I was really struggling after Luke died and I, I was like, because I kept on having nightmares and I was just feeling really, just, just eating too many digestive biscuits if there is such a thing. Um, and I tweeted saying, I'm just really struggling. Does anyone have any recommendations for anything because normally my refuge is Stephen King. He's like my go-to man. He's my hero. But for some reason, he wasn't doing any good. And I had hundreds of replies, like really uplifting, wonderful people just sending genuinely really good advice. Yeah. It made me have faith in the internet again. Yeah. yeah, it is those moments. Like, you go through that stage of, oh, this is a hellscape, this website's a nightmare, all the news is terrible. And then when there is genuinely a human being that needs help or support, people that you've never met before, that you might never meet at all, will be more than willing to go above and beyond and help you in whatever yeah. way they can because people are still genuinely good and mm. do care, especially when you're in a situation that, like yourself, people just like bend over backwards to just make mm-hmm. sure that you can... Not even smile, but just feel a little bit con- more content that day. Just got to smile at people. Yeah. Just smile and sometimes just have an orange. <laughs> just have an orange, orange, just sit in a bath, have a shower, just go for a little walk around a garden. It's just very simple. Yeah. Mm. Look up. 
<laughs> but it doesn't need to be overly complicated. It's no. those wonderful, beautiful, small moments that just make sure that everything is okay. I always find the really fun thing I like to do in the morning, and I've done it since I was little, as so I wake up and I go, I am happy because... <laughs> Okay, I'm happy because I'm very tall. <laughs> like, it starts off very tall. I'm very happy because I have hot water. I'm very happy because I'm like, just going through. That's lovely. Until it gets really specific and weird. <laughs> and then afterwards, you really cheer yourself up. Because also, it's such a silly thing to do. Yeah. When you, Sometimes you just need to be really playful with yourself. Uh, when was the first time you ever kind of discovered that mental health was a thing be it positive or negative oh when i was 10 i tried to kill myself <laughs> so oh, wow. really early, really early on and so i was very like i was introduced to mental health really early so i got i got sent to the priory <laughs> at the age of 10 <laughs> and I got made to play with loads of dolls. I think it's why I became a comedian. Because <laughs> you really have to keep them entertained because you've got them for an hour. And how many problems could a 10-year-old have? <laughs> so after a while, like, I started saying I had these crazy dreams and I had to do drawings so and I'd really go to town on them. Because <laughs> um, like, I also watched a lot of horror films, so I knew mm. what they were looking for. So they're like, who's that scary man in the shadows? That's the shadow monster who visits <laughs> me in my dreams. <laughs> um... No, but I was I I, th- I had really bad obsessive compulsive disorder, and I didn't realise how bad it was until when I got when I went to boarding school when I was about ten eleven, because I was in a group dormitory. Suddenly, my things that I had to do in order to lead a normal life, I couldn't do, so I suffered like a real breakdown. I was really struggling, and boarding school is sort of baptism by fire. Yeah, indeed. Well, it's just um, everything out of your comfort zone, not used to any of that. Because yeah. you're not really a person, and even though you've been taught to share, you don't really... I, I can't really remember boarding school in a weird... I can't remember who I was as a person mm. then. I was just lots of sh- fragile entities, little fragments of... some, And I knew I was weird and I didn't quite fit in. And I was pretty sure I was gay from a very young age. So when I was 10 or 11, I came out as gay to the girls in my dormitory. And I got moved into the sick room because it was thought it might be contagious. Jesus. So, <laughs> where are you going to boarding school? The eighteen hundreds. The thing is, I think I, I think if the school knew, they would be horrified. Yeah. But it was just it was the attitude of one particular matron and right. the attitude of when someone reacts like that, the children will follow suit. Yeah. And so they thought that was normal behaviour. Um, but uh, I mean, so I was on antidepressants from a very young age. But then it, it was interesting because I then really thrived through theatre and comedy at school and ended up being a very happy girl, despite a few... Up- and I discovered Joy Division. And once you <laughs> discover your, like, depression music, I think you sort of... <laughs> once you know how to perform your sadness, you go, I'm in a sad mood, so I'm going to go home, put Joy Division on, lie in bed and feel sorry for myself. Yeah, because yeah. we never let ourselves do that. We always feel bad for feeling sad. And we don't let ourselves go, right, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have 24 hours where I feel like shit. Mm. I'm going to treat myself like shit as well and eat loads of ice cream and eat loads of digestive biscuits and listen to depressing music. And then tomorrow, I'm out of that funk. I've got all of that out of the way and then hopefully I can get... Because it's like the first day you have a cold, you're like, I'm going to wrap myself in my duvet, I'm just going to be sick for this day. But then when it's like your brain... I think you're so inclined to just push it to one side and be like, oh, but no, but it's not important. Mm. No, no, because you can't physically see any manifestations of it. Yeah. You're like, well, no one's going to believe me. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. 
What would your songs be? We had this with Jess Robinson the other day. If you could put three songs on like a playlist, like a like a depression playlist to be like, these are like my my feel good songs. What would they be? Uh, so they feel good songs to make you feel better, or are they? Because it's always that peculiar thing. Because mm-hmm. when you're depressed, you really don't want to listen to cheerful yeah. music. Do you? you just want to wallow. What would be the three you want? Let's do that one. Three you'd wallow in your wallow playlist. Oh God. Joy Division, Isolation. Oh, it's a, a classic, one, yeah. yeah. Um, Echo and the Bunnymen, I'd always go to. Oh, that's a good one, The yeah. Cutter, maybe. I find John Cooper Clark poetry pretty good when I'm depressed. Mm. Like, I want to be yours. And the Arctic Monkeys version of that song. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a really nice Cold one. Chord play are very mm. good. The music from The Shining is pretty good. Oh, that's a good mm-hmm. one. That's terrifying. Sometimes really scary stuff is really good when you're depressed. Like horror movies, yeah, I find. I, I watch so, loads of horror movies when I'm depressed. I'm I'm a massive horror nerd mm. because it's you're watching someone in fight or flight, yeah. and so in that world you can't be going. Oh, I feel sad. You've got to go. <laughs> oh, my Myers is coming. <laughs> Where am I going to hide? <laughs> yeah. It's it's brilliant distraction though, isn't it? Because mm. you get invested in these stories that you are obviously all the way through going. I wouldn't do that. Why are they doing this? <laughs> and occasionally you get that jump scare as well, which just fills your body with endorphins yeah. and gets you into fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. So at least you're just feeling something. Yeah. So that's what I just, I, every time I'm, I know I'm getting into a depressive state, I watch terrible horror films. Horror. Taking yourself to the cinema as well, it feels like something that's weirdly, you always have to be a bit brave or pump yourself up to know you're going to the cinema on your own. But I took myself to see Baby Driver when I was feeling really depressed. And there was something so euphoric about being on my own and watching that and choosing to go on my own. Because I had that as well. I went to the cinema and I saw by myself. The first film I ever went to go to the cinema to see by myself was Transformers The Last Night. Oh. And I didn't care what film it was. It was the only film that was on at that time. Yeah. Not going to lie, fucking loved it. It was great. <laughs> Bonkers, yeah. really weird. But I was just there for two and a half hours by myself, treating myself, which I never do, yeah. to some nice little alone time. And it's just brilliant late night cinema trips as well friday night if you're feeling like you don't have to go to the party because mm-hmm. i hate going to parties now i just it's too much my technique is if i have to go i'll turn up at like seven literally at the beginning you say hello to the host hostess give them a cuddle say hello to a few people you leave very quietly about half eight nine walk to the cinema Get yourself a ticket to see whatever it is at the 10 o'clock show, which will finish at midnight. Mm-hmm. And it's just calm. Yeah. It's quiet. You feel like you've rented out the cinema to yourself. You get to enjoy all the trailers. You get to pick the seat you want. You can sit in the premium seats and nobody spent, you know, because there's no one there. You often get free stuff at that time of night from the staff yeah. because, you know, they're not, they don't mind. You, and they look at you going there on your own on a Friday night and they know that you're having, you need it more than they do. <laughs> and it's just the best because you've done the social, but you've done it your own way. Exactly. I feel like if in doubt, just go to the party early because mm-hmm. everybody likes the person who turns up early. Nobody likes the guy that turns up at half 11. And then you get your pick of the snacks when you're first there. Yeah, you get all the Doritos <laughs> and the cheese. Yeah. You get to chat to people before they're paralytic. They're thankful that you're there because they spent the whole day worrying no one's going to come. So mm-hmm. if you're the, there early, they're like, thank you for coming now because we were stressed no one's going to come. And then you get to actually... And you go, Proper oh. conversation, mm. yeah. And then by that time, that guy you slept with once, two years ago, arrives, you can go, oh, I'm sorry we don't get to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, definitely. <laughs> 
When did you realise that kind of comedy and performing was a great outlet for you with kind of struggling with mental health? I think 11, really, because I started playing all the comedy roles at school. Do you that... just naturally fall into those or were you yeah, trying to give them those? Yeah, sort of, oh, well, so I got cast as bottom in the school play because when we went to do the auditions, we each got assigned a role we had to audition for and I didn't want to audition for Oberon because I thought they were just doing it based on the fact I was tall. So I turned up and I said, look, I've learned the whole play. I'm going to audition for all the roles, which turns out it's the perfect way to audition for bottom. <laughs> so I got cast as bottom. And suddenly all the people who never, because I hadn't fitted in and I was quite weird and, you know, always a queerish. And they were like, I, I think kids are like that. Once they know what you're good at or what your thing is, mm -hmm. they accept you because they can put you into a box. Mm -hmm. So they were like, oh, Eel's the weird... She does all the boy parts. She's quite funny. She's good at acting. Okay, we understand her now. Yeah. <laughs> we can define it now. Yeah. yeah. We can, yeah. <laughs> so I just became the theatre drama kid. And then that was sort of just did all the drama roles, did all the boy roles. I got to dress up in drag all the time, which you don't realise it's drag, but dress being the boy in the school play. Because my mum would take me to the shops and we'd get me a full-on male suit. Like We wouldn't just like find whatever was in the costume cupboard. My mum wanted me to feel a hundred bucks or whatever it was. I said. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing else I wanted to do. And then weirdly at university, that confidence dipped. Um, but then it came back again later on. That's wonderful, just embracing the thing that makes you happy. Yeah. Because sometimes it's just the best way of doing it. What makes me happy? Oh, it's that. I'm going to follow that. Yeah. Instead of having to go out of your way and go, what makes me happy? I'm going to try 17 different things and then yeah. maybe I might find it down yeah. the road. See, um... At the moment, there's a real issue with like the austerity of imagination. There's a really good song called by Eddie and the Hot Rods called "Do Anything You Want to Do," fantastic song from the late seventies, I think. But like, that was a song that was always played to us when we were kids about, you know, whatever it is you want to do, you do it, but you do it well. That was it. Don't just half-heartedly do it. So my parents said, if you want to be a comedian, you've got to try. You've got to work hard. You've got to work out why something doesn't work. You've got to listen to all the criticism and feedback you get. Mm -hmm. like they were really hardcore with me. But when I go and teach and now and tutor at universities or especially younger people and you ask them what's their dream show, what's the dream thing they want to do, they're so restricted at, at the very beginning with what they want because they're so thinking about, well, I probably would never be able to do a show here, so the chance I'll just do it in a shipping container here or I'll do it in my local church. Yeah. And you're like, is that where you really want it to be? Because if it is, great, but if it's not, aim really big mm -hmm. because it's a lot easier to minimise than maximise an yeah. idea. And, you know, it's easier to adjust your goals because your goals will naturally calm down as you get older because the bigger the idea, the more stressful it is. <laughs> but it's always better to go for that one. Yeah. So if you could go back and give yourself, like your younger self, some advice on mental health and living without misery, what would you tell yourself? Um, I'd say just put one foot in front of the other. It's going to be OK. Try not to be a complete drama queen. <laughs> Um, I don't know, you know, just remember that any experience is transient. We're constantly moving. So all the times I try to do, like, I don't know, I try multiple times to off myself. And remembering that suicide is like a permanent action mm -hmm. for a transient situation. I think that's the thing. The way you feel today might not necessarily be how you feel tomorrow. And also remembering that you are totally in charge of how you feel. Mm -hmm. So there's that habit, especially to blame everyone else for your injustices or 
And sometimes you can, but it's really important to remember that you have got all the power to change how you feel, whether it's through the simple walking around the garden or just walking out of that traumatic or testing relationship. I think that's all I'd really... Yeah, and also, good. fuck them, they're all a bunch of wankers. Just do you. <laughs> <laughs> Your dress sense is great. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, Amazing. love it. <laughs> great answer. We we'll hope you can take something from this podcast away with you in your day-to-day life. Whatever situation you're in, you're not by yourself. We can share our stories, share our experiences. We can help each other know that things do get better. All the ad money we make from this podcast goes to Calm, and by listening today, you've already donated. But if you've got an extra few quid lying around, you can donate to Calm by going to uktv.co.uk forward slash Dave forward slash Calm. And there you should find a big red donate button. So click on that if you want to. Uh, If you're enjoying Conversations Against Living Miserably, please do rate, review, subscribe, recommend the podcast to your friends, shout it from the rooftops, that sort of thing. If you're not enjoying it, well, you can just keep that to yourself if that's okay. Anyway, that's the end of episode nine. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Elf. And if you want to check out her new show, Love Songs to Guinea Pigs, it's all over the UK later this year. So just Google Elf Lions and have a search around in there. I'm sure you'll find tickets eventually. Also, Lauren is doing a one-off show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. Uh, It's at the Monkey Barrel, and tickets will go quick. So if you'd like to see Lauren IRL, that's in real life for the kids, then go to the Edinburgh Fringe website, and you can find tickets on there. Uh, Or just have a bit of a Google. Anyway, a massive thanks to Elf Lions for letting us bother her for a bit. Thanks to Lauren, obviously. Thanks to Pixel U for editing this week's episode. Thanks to Dave for letting us make this little podcast. And thanks to Calm for all the brilliant work they do. And as always, thanks to you guys for listening. Anyway, join us again next week, if you want to, that is. I mean, it would be nice if you did, but if, you, if you've got other stuff on or you're busy, I understand. I mean, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. Anyway, uh, bye-bye, 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 bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. 
Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do, tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone, a Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel.